if you would please be opening up to Acts chapter 11, where we will be in our study this morning as we're going through the book of Acts and looking at just the caption of witness when Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses. And that's us too. We get included in that. Uh, before we get into the word, I would like to let you know as a church family that uh, our, our dearly loved sister in the Lord, Lori Miltenberger, went to be with the Lord yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon. So she was surrounded by her kids. Um, we're just we're really thankful for the opportunity that we had to to care for them and love on them while they were here before they moved up to Nashville. But I do believe her uh, service will be this week here in town. So we will email that out for you guys so you will be aware of that. But just please be keeping Ed and Gloria in your prayers, the rest of their kids. Um, I just, I, I... Just thanking the Lord yesterday for uh, the opportunity to pastor Lori for the few last few years of her time on this earth. As as I imagine, yesterday was you know our moment of death on this earth is actually our greatest moment on this earth because it's the moment that we slip past this life and into eternity with Jesus, seeing Him in all of His glory and grace and mercy. So. Thankful, thankful heart. But please keep the Miltonberger family, uh, and as well as the Miltonberger clan, a big clan, and they they're old Covington clan, and they love one another. So even for Kaki and her family, it just it, it's a a big deal. So please keep them in your prayers. All right, Acts chapter eleven, verses one through eighteen. We'll look at half of this chapter this morning. And the apostles. And the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheep descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. 
God, we ask for the, the effect of faith that comes from hearing the preached word. God, give us your grace as we study, as we seek to be changed in your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Most of us do not like change, right? We, we, we might think we're okay with change, but every one of us has rhythms and things that we do in life, and when they get out of line, we don't like that. For instance, God always gives the preacher the application before I preach. So yesterday, had a plan for the day. Nothing went according... Well, the first half of the day, because we went to see the... Uh, soccer games, saw Will and then Ace's soccer games. That was great. And said, all right, here's the, here's the plan for the rest of the day. Well, I go out and I hear tss, my back tire. All right, let me take that off. I'll plug the tire. It'll be all right. Well, I can't find any hole in it. I don't know what's going on. So I spray in the soapy stuff. Nothing. So Owen comes out, and he's like, Dad, I hear something. I said, so do I. I can't see it. All of a sudden, the inside wall of the tire sprayed it, slit. Can't fix a wall. Can't plug that. Well, in the meantime, I've got another car that's up on jacks in my carport because I'm trying to fix that one. So I was like, all right, I've got to fix this one so I have a vehicle to drive, and this one's going to be up on jack stands now and, and everything. So I still have the grease. Because I was able, thankfully, to fix it. But in the middle of it, y'all, <laughs> I got so angry because nothing was fitting together. I'm trying to put my hands up to try to put this one bolt in there. It will not go. And I think I startled my son because I got out. And in so much frustration, I just growled and then had to take a walk in my yard. Walked back and forth and prayed, Lord, I need patience right now. Did you know what I was doing? I'll confess this to you. I, I told my wife, I said, I feel like the Lord's being cruel to me right now. And Kathy said this God is never cruel to his children. Sorry, she's being cruel to me right now. <laughs> well, I'm pacing my backyard. I sent Owen inside. I said, Thank you. You can go inside. <laughs> Had to get, I had to get out of God's way in that moment. So I prayed, asked the Lord. You know what? I went right up under the car and it went right in. It's like, why? I, I prayed beforehand. Why did that not work? Because I was irritated with the Lord, that's why. Things weren't going my way. I was in his way and I needed a moment to say, just and, and none of the plan fit together for the day, and I didn't like that change. I wanted my plan. This passage shows us something about how the Jews had a plan for the gospel, and it's still incorporated. Last week we looked at the, at, at the, uh, the spirit falling at Cornelius' house, and he's a Gentile. Peter and his friends go in there. Peter even says to him, it's unlawful for a Jew to interact with a Gentile. There were a lot of rules in the Old Testament that said, hey, let's separate from the, in terms of uh, for the people of Israel to know who they were, They're, to maintain their identity and their worship of the Lord. They weren't to intermix for worship reasons. God was saying, that's done with. Now everybody gets to respond to the gospel. Here the people hear about this. The Jews hear about it and say, Hold on a second, Peter. 
You did something wrong. We heard what happened. It's interesting because look, they heard in verse 1, they heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. But that didn't stop their criticism. You did something you shouldn't have done, Peter. Because that wasn't according to plan. And, and there was something, that's a change that we don't like. And the Jews were cynical of Peter's meeting with the Gentiles. They were bothered when they found out that the Gentiles received the word. That's big. We don't like them. We don't want them to receive the word was underlying in there. There's no celebration in this, but irritation with Peter knowing that he went to them all. Now, thankfully, God does not base our experience with him on our own desires for things to remain the same. Because in our Christian life, things can just get, this, get to be the same. We, we like rhythm and routine, and those are, those are okay, but sometimes they can, come in, they can get in the way of the growth and the change that God wants to bring in our lives. We grow in our relationship. And that means things change a bit as we relate to the Lord, as we relate to others. I remembered the, the scene in the book Prince Caspian, uh, written as part of the Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis, where Lucy is looking for Aslan the lion in a forest. And she can't find him. And then finally he appears, and she says to him, Aslan, you're bigger. Aslan said, that is because you're older, little one. She said, not because you are. He said, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. It's a a very helpful understanding for as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, God will be bigger to us. He won't... We'll find that we can't describe him the same way. See, when we grow in our relationship with the Lord, our experience will increase, even change in some ways, as we enhance our grasp of his glory. See, if we stay the same, we will actually get in God's way. His desire for our involvement in his mission is to be dynamic, moving, not static, not still. We remain static, by allowing our opinions of God and his work and our opinions of his desires to rise to the level of expectation where we now think God should obey us and other people should obey our understanding of who we think God is. We will get in God's way by holding our opinions in ways that we're convinced God thinks the same way. The Jewish believers in this passage will have their understanding of God's glory enhanced. They will grow. And the change will come in their understanding of God. God does not change. So they just they misunderstood his desire to include the Gentiles in the Old Testament. And so they added all these different parameters and rules to make sure that no, no Gentile was going to make a Jew unclean to go into worship in the temple. But all that's changing now. God does not change. It's we who need to grow in our understanding and our minds need to change. So as we look at this passage, uh, first thing to draw out, I think the Lord wants to draw it for us, is the, look at the, the, the verse 2. So when Peter went to, up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. This is an interesting phrase that uh, Luke is using here, but 
when we think about God changing us, um, there's a dislodging of loyalties and particularly party loyalties that we may have. The first thing that we see is there's criticisms based not on God's word. You're not following God's word. They thought people weren't following God's word. It was really based in their opinions. We think it should be this way, and you didn't follow this, so now we're going to criticize you. The the Jews criticized Peter as if he had betrayed God when actually they were the ones betraying God because they didn't understand God. The expectation to avoid Gentiles was not what God said. It was, there were, there were parameters and restrictions, but they were always, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was always to welcome those who wanted to love God. And that meant Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. The expectation to avoid them was, it, it was an added to Jewish life. It wasn't the way it was. Look at verse three. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. There's a, there's a criticism. You, you ate with them. Remember we looked at last week when you had a meal, it was deeper than just sharing food, driving somewhere is how we eat now. But now this was about relationship. It was about intertwining lives together. How could you do that? Now their addition to the gospel was now threatening. Their addition to Jewish life was now threatening the gospel life because you can't add to the gospel either. See, their tradition was not really scripture. So their, their tradition led to their expectation that everybody should follow it. Now, we, we, have, we have personal parameters that we put in our lives. We have, we have things that we do in our lives to keep us from sinning, meaning I shouldn't go there, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't do that. Those are helpful And those are good to guard our own hearts to make sure that we love Jesus with everything that we are and we don't give in to temptation that will distract us and ruin our experience of God's presence on this earth. We we want those. And criticisms usually come out of our desire. We're critical of others because we don't see their desire to love God like we do. And so we put up these parameters. We want to love God, and we want to be protected, our hearts protected. And we all have different parameters that we hold to in order for our hearts to remain holy and blameless and righteous. But listen, when our expectation is now for everyone to follow our own parameters, we've, we've overstepped something that God intends. If we begin to act like our parameters and the rules that we have for our lives, I'm not going to spend my money there because I have this conviction and now everybody else should. Careful. We'll begin to hold that as God does not want you to shop there. Because if you're a real Christian, you wouldn't give your money to that. God doesn't say those things, but we begin to hold those expectations that everybody should be doing what we think is obedience to God. And we hold to the level of his commandments. And we will get in God's way of working in someone else's life by confusing and, and perhaps frustrating people into, I just don't understand what it's like to obey. And this is what happens. Our expectations, when they rise to the level of God's commandments, we will then become the Holy Spirit to others rather than allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in others. See, we, we want to do the Holy Spirit's work rather than let him do his work. So, let's analyze some of our expectations, shall we? Let's apply the word together 
and look at maybe some party loyalties that we need to repent of, that we need to adjust and change. Are there expectation levels that you have with other people's behavior? Should, do these words come out of your mouth? They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't go there for Christians. Unbelievers is on the list. We'll get to that. But do you see other Christians in your life and you begin to wonder, hmm, they shouldn't do that. How do you know? What about people's appearance? Opinions about fashion. Opinions about tattoos. Opinions about hairstyles. They shouldn't look like that. So they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't go there. They shouldn't look like that. How about expectations in relationships? It usually sounds like this. I shouldn't be treated like that. You have expectation levels for your relationships that typically center on how I am being served rather than the desire to serve like Jesus instructs us to. Expectations toward unbelievers. Either expecting unbelievers to act like believers when they, remember, what we see in the scriptures is somebody repents of their sin and trusts Christ for salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in fullness. God himself resides inside the believer. And now we have a power source to obey God with. But we will look at unbelievers and expect them to obey the way we're obeying when they have no power source. So we have to have proper expectations. The other category would be this, toward unbelievers. When you see them mocking God, ignoring God, rebelling against the Lord, you say, hmm, they deserve what they're going to get. But expectations in parenting. Expectations that you hold for your family, that the convictions that you live with and you're raising your family, do you expect other families to do it exactly the same way? Or now looking at other families, do you have the sense of they shouldn't be doing it that way? They should do it this way. We need to be careful with expectations. I will say this, as Kathy and I watch our older daughters raise children, they're, they're doing things a little differently than we raised them. And for, in some ways, Kathy and I, we're, we're looking at, now the overall principles and the desires, those are the same, praise God. But the details of how they're worked out are a little different than what Kathy and I did in raising them. And sometimes we can talk with one another and think, don't know how that's going to work out. Or maybe there's not enough discipline. Or maybe they, they need to address it this way. But we have to say, no, we learned. God is their God. He will instruct them. And we want to be able to offer support. We want to be able to offer a perspective, but the expectation level is different. To where we want to give room for them to raise their kids as God's leading them without the pressure of, no, you really need to do it this way. If you loved God, it would be this way. Because that's the underlying thing. Whenever we have expectations for people and they're not meeting those expectations, we will then think, you don't really love God. 
And that's wrong, church. We have to be on guard. One, for when we are too simplistic about our approach to discipleship. As if one or two things will work. Or we just don't need a lot of things. Eh, we'll be all right. We also need to be on guard for being too sectarian about our approach to relationship. I'm, I'm over here with this camp, and this is the only way to live life. See, we need to know the right hills to die on. A hill to die on is salvation by faith alone, by the work of God's grace alone. That's what we need to agree on. What time we start church, where we're meeting for small group, that, those aren't hills to die on. We, we need to know the difference because people will take secondary and tertiary things, and that's a big word for you, huh? Third things. To be third level. We, we want to push those. Into, we have to have discernment to be able to look at the landscape of our lives and say, wait a minute. What do I really need to fight for? Because if it's a secondary, tertiary thing, it's really based in opinion. Well, this is the way I like it. That's not the parameter that God has for us to use, especially in our relationship with others. Be on guard for pride, which gets in the way of God. And look, he will remove that pride because his mission will go forward. It appears that the Jewish believers here did not want the Gentiles to have the gospel. That's a serious thing that God is removing. And remember this. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. The unwashed, the unclean, the common. He ate with them, ate. He had a meal with them. And the Pharisees, the ruling, politi- uh, ruling religious authority came in and saying, who do you think you are? You are breaking the law. Jesus said, you have forgotten the law and you have added to it and you expect now everybody else to do exactly what you tell them and you, you're causing them to miss the gospel message. You're causing them to miss the Messiah. The Pharisees were getting in, in God's way. We need to see the heart of believers and unbelievers at all times. That really is the crucial thing. Where is their heart? Do, do they love Jesus? All right, let's start there. Do they not know Jesus? Let's start there. And, and let's work toward an understanding and a glory of Jesus. You see somebody that needs to be discipled to understand God's guidance in the sanctification process and becoming more and more like Jesus in everyday life, in our thoughts, in our actions. See, Jesus, when we come to Jesus, he changes our loyalties and he reorders our lives toward his identity. He, he roots us and sinks us into who he is, not into who we're striving to be. And when, we, when that change, change messes with our identity, when we're used to doing something, all of a sudden we're not doing it the same way, God's not doing things the same way in our lives, it messes with our identity and it reveals maybe that we have been walking out a faulty identity that needs to be reordered. The next thing that we see in this passage, and again, I'm, not gonna, uh, I'm really not going to parse out the vision itself because we did that last week. If you weren't here, you can go back last week and look at the vision that Peter received and, and the, the intricacies of that. But um, what we see now when Peter tells the Jewish believers what happened, we have discipleship on display. 
Peter is taking a lesson that he learned from the Lord and giving it away to the other disciples. He learned a crucial lesson among how God collects his bride, his church, and he passes it on to those who needed to learn and grow and change. And it's important that Peter is the one that gives this witness. He gives his eyewitness account. Peter is witnessing. He's witnessing something that God has done. And what was that lesson? God shows no partiality, no favoritism. That's what we know from chapter 10. He said those words, God shows, now that I I know God shows no partiality, no favoritism. We have, he makes, and, and it's reiterated in, where is it? Verse, when he says made, making, verse 12. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. And he brings six other brothers who are able to witness to this as well. God shows no partiality. If you look at James chapter 2, that I have to flip to. The first part of chapter 2 in James says, My brothers, so this is James, the brother of Jesus, who is in the mix in the, the Acts narrative we'll see in chapter 15. My brothers... So he's learning a lesson that Peter has shown. Peter learned the lesson, passed it on to the brothers, and now James is passing it on to us. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, oh, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law of the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. What a a deep work that here began with Peter in Acts chapter 10. I totally lost my place in Acts. Hold on a second. There we go. Peter gets this lesson, huge lesson passes it on to these disciples, then he's going, also going to pass it on to the entire church in Acts chapter 15 when they all come together to discuss this. So, the lesson is this. God shows no partiality. He is not, he doesn't play favorites. Part of that lesson is also this. Salvation is a work of God, not man. We don't work our way in. God gives the grace and the faith. In verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as us at the beginning. Look, as I began to speak, God's already doing something. There was no formula that Peter followed. He just simply began witnessing of who he saw Jesus to be. And boom, the Holy Spirit filled these new believers to work of God. The lesson also is that Jesus promised this. Verse 16, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That John is John the Baptist, remember. 
He's going around baptizing people for repentance. Hey, just make, in essence, be baptized as a demonstration that you're making your heart right for God. And you are, you're putting yourself in a category that you're looking and listening for what God is doing. But Jesus says, but there's, come, there's coming one after you. You will be baptized with the Spirit and with fire. You will experience something way, where water is on the outside, fire is on the inside. Peter puts this together. Oh, Jesus promised this. And the lesson also is, see God, be God. When he says, how, how could I stand in his way? I can't, I got to get out of the way for what God is doing. That's the lesson, and he's passing it on. Listen, church, we have lessons that we learn in our lives, and our lessons need to be shared. We need to witness to the work of God in our lives. So that that looks like going to find somebody to tell it to. Find another believer in the church to tell it to without criticism, without condemnation. Understanding the proper expectations are based on God's word that is clear, not on our opinions. But listen, this is the most important thing. When we, when we offer those lessons that we've learned to those in the faith, we have to allow the Spirit to now work in them. Peter was sent as a messenger, not a manager of God's work. He was a messenger of the gospel account. He was a messenger of what he saw. He was not to manage what the Spirit was then going to do. The Jewish believers, hold on a second. You went and ate with them. That's a manager mindset. It's, no, we are messengers. And we are giving God room to be God. And I love, I I do love their response. Verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. We do well to not argue with God. Now there are times when we, we make our complaint to him. Better to make our complaint to him than to others. But there are times when God reveals himself, we are quiet. And we recognize you are God. And you're, you're moving in ways I can't see, and I want to trust you. We do, our, we do well in that silence to hold our opinions with open hands, not clutching to what we think is going to be what God wants or what we want from others. That, that happens, church. You know, parents, we have the temptation to be the managers of our kids' spiritual lives rather than messengers. We have the temptation to be, even if they're older and they're out of the house, we want to manage situations to get them to choose the right thing rather than simply be a witness for God's goodness and see God do an amazing work. And those of you who are praying for your children who who are unbelievers, keep praying, keep witnessing. Keep, Keep sharing lessons of the glory of God that are getting, God's getting bigger to you. Pray for moments to share that with your children. And see God do what God does, moving in the hearts and lives of the people that we love. And they did this. They fell silent and they glorified God. There was praise, appropriate praise, wonder and awe at God's love. Look, then to the Gentiles. They're not resigned to it. Then to the Gentiles. All right, they get the gospel too. 
No, there's an excitement in this because they're glorifying God. They see something of God in this moment, so their expectation level changes, and that comes out in praise. Oh, God, you are wonderful, and you are awesome in your love. You are bigger than what we expected. And in your, in your infinitude, in your enormousness, we will glorify you because you're bigger than what we expected. I think the best way for us to think about getting out of God's way is to see people as Jesus sees them. See the heart. See the heart. And long for Jesus to be greater and bigger than the people that we love. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for our discipleship to be dynamic, moving, changing, in, in, in a, a way that we are moving with you and we are moving in our obedience with you. God, uh, help us and keep us from being static and still in our walk with you. So Lord, I pray that we, in our times of reading the word and praying, they would be vibrant and rivers of living water would well up inside of us. Father, I pray right now that uh, as we trust, Holy Spirit, you have given us conviction on maybe some opinions that we've been holding ourselves to or others to that are unbiblical. We just don't have a clear directive and commandment in Scripture for those opinions. God, I pray that we would release and surrender those opinions to you because we want to be aligned with your heart. We want to see people like you see people. So, Lord... Grant us, as we began asking for a reminder of your glory, I hope now and trust that you are bigger in our conceptions than we ever thought. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us deeper and deeper into your glory. Enhance, enhance our knowledge of you, our vision of you, so you can be bigger and greater. And Lord, grant us grace to get out of your way to see you do great things. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we uh, get to our, as part of our commission, I want to just highlight some uh, events happening in the life of the church. Uh, these are discipleship commissions. One is the contentment study going through this booklet. It's a, uh, it's not a booklet really. It's a 31-day devotional on contentment, seeing God's goodness. This starts this Wednesday night at my house. Um, if you, you can sign up online. You can give me 10 bucks. I have a couple books left that are not sold yet. Uh, this, even if you let me know you want to come, I can order some books and have it on Wednesday night at my house. But my house at 7 p.m., if you need directions, you can see me or Kathy afterwards. I would, I would uh, whet your appetite for this if you're wondering, hmm, should I be in a, t- in a study on contentment? See if we fit this. When we are discontent, we are, this is from Megan Hill, the author. When we, when we are discontent, we are in a constant state of distress, anxiety, and regret. Failing to trust God's essential goodness, we become suspicious of him and cannot enjoy him or his many blessings. We are focused on our own circumstances and do not love others well. Mm. I read that and went, I need this study a lot. So I give that to you as, I wonder if you fit that 
Maybe God is, is nudging you. Just four weeks, uh, starting this Wednesday, we'll finish the week before Thanksgiving. We'll be taking a break from our small groups uh, during the, between Thanksgiving, Christmas season, and then pick back up in, uh, in January. The, the gentleman uh, had a great concluding uh, meeting this past week, um, studying the Shepherd's book. That was a wonderful time. Also on Wednesday, our youth community. I need to read it on the thing because I don't have any other. All right. This is happening in Tickfall, right? Tickfall. There it is. So it's in Tickfall. Hang out. Uh, our youth community is getting together with another youth community there. You can see Kerr afterwards. Ask him any um, information on that directions, and you can uh, see him. Also, uh, just have in mind for your calendar a Thanksgiving dinner that we'll have just as a church. November 19th is going to be in the evening, uh, and it'll be a covered dish where you just come. We'll celebrate uh, the Lord together. And just want to highlight our giving opportunities for the church to make sure that we're aware of those and we're taking advantage of those. You can, uh, most people give online. We thank you for that, but we have a box in the back that you're able to drop off uh, that too. We want to give because God has given to us. And our giving supports the ministry and the mission that God calls us to do as a church. And we, we want to reach this community and we want to reach the nation. So that's what we're doing in our giving. So I pray you give by faith and and give consistently by faith. All right, let's rehearse. If you would stand with me and we will rehearse our commission together. Reminding us that Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. May God bless us.